Hi, Rob Shank here. You're listening to Shank Talks Bonhoeffer, a podcast all about the life, times, ideas, and legacy of this brave, morally courageous church leader in the time of Adolf Hitler and Nazism in Germany. You know the story, how he worked so hard to preserve the moral and spiritual integrity of the church in Germany and to resist the brutal, violent, hateful regime of the Third Reich and how he would ultimately give his life for his convictions when he was hanged at Flossenburg concentration camp in April of 1945. This series of episodes is a little different. It's a conversation that I had with another remarkable religious leader in our own time, Rabbi Shoal Praver of Fairfield, Connecticut. He was one of the first spiritual caregivers to arrive on the scene at one of the most unspeakable moments of violence in the history of the United States, maybe in the world. And that was the day when a much too young, mentally ill, deranged, very violent and heavily armed man entered the otherwise peaceful, joyful, wondrously curious environment of an elementary school in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, and brutally took the lives of 20 small children and six adults only after he had killed his own mother in their home. I think you'll find this conversation profoundly moving, deeply insightful, and even hopeful in the wake of such an unspeakable tragedy. This event that took place in that little village can never be forgotten, never minimized, never excused, never rationalized, never dismissed, and most certainly never repeated. So I hope you'll take the time to listen to the entirety of these conversations in a series I call The Story Behind the Rabbi at Sandy Hook. Thanks for listening. In our previous episode, we were on your journey. Right. From a non-believing, not terribly religious upbringing into your formation as a rabbi in, of all places, Jerusalem, and then yeah. here in the United States. And uh, so take us to uh, 2012. Okay. And it's maybe the beginning of December. Yeah. And at that time, are you serving as a congregational rabbi? In other words, what we in the Christian tradition often refer yeah. to as a pastor. You yeah. have a congregation. Yeah, I'm with um, Congregation of Israel. I'm in my 12th year already. Okay. We went from the small building, we built a bigger building. Um, about 100 families, 
very nice people. I'm happy. <laughs> you know, I'm in my Akuna Matata. <laughs> I have a little local <laughs> television show. They, you know, interview local writers, some of them bigger writers, some of them smaller, but fun, all fun stuff. I have a crew that are um, my, <laughs> my B'nai Mitzvah students, <laughs> and they're doing a great job, and I'm happy. And uh, I'm, I'm living in Fairfield. My wife is teaching in, in Stanford. It's all working. Life is good. Yeah. Young kids, okay, I'd like to see them a little bit more, but no complaints. Mm. And then I am there on Friday morning uh, for a uh, bat mitzvah final rehearsal. This is a family rehearsal where we, you know, get it all coordinated with, you know, the honors down to the details. And... Um, and that's what we're doing. We always for do those it. who are unfamiliar, bat mitzvah meaning for a Thir young woman. Yeah, twelve and a half year old um, girl. Girl. Mm -hmm. Bar mitzvah would be a thirteen year old boy. I could hear some of our listeners going, "Did he? What? Did, is that the same as a bar mitzvah? It's not. <laughs> it's, it is, right. but it's not." Right. This is a conservative congregation, egalitarian. So we are mm -hmm. um, the the uh, females are doing the same stuff um, on the pulpit, reading the Torah, leading prayers, giving a speech. Um, so, as opposed to, you know, Orthodox, where that would happen to a, a lesser extent. Mm. Um, and so, lovely, lovely girl, lovely family, actually from Great Neck, the husband is from oh. Great Neck. And he's a fireman. And uh, he's a, 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 a brawny, um, you know, mush of a man, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve. I love the guy. Just, you know, hit it off great. And um, so, um, this is the the second one, I had done the bat mitzvah of the, um, actually the third one, of the um, older sister and the brother. I see. So this is all fun stuff. Mm. And um, so we're about to start the uh, rehearsal. I'm there at 10 a.m. And now he's a fireman, so he um, is looking at his phone, and he's saying, um, uh, I, I might be called to the fire station, and there's been a shooting. And I'm like, how oh, come on, you know, shooting, really, you know? Yes. You know, sometimes a kid brings a knife to school or maybe even his father's gun, you know, in the backpack. And, you know, the police came and he got in trouble. And so this is my um, coping mechanism. At, you know, you don't know how you cope until you're there. So my coping mechanism is to deny, deny, deny until you can't deny anymore. Right. Um, so, so he says that he has to go. You know, and I did notice that a little tear come out of his side of his eye, mm. because he knows something about this yes. that I don't revealing. know. Yeah. And so off he goes, and I, you know, I'm running out the front door, and I'm saying, "All right, so you know, uh, text us, and you know, we're here. Let us know." There's something poignant about the fact that he's engaged in an exercise with his children. Yeah. And now being called to this. He, that's also right. He wouldn't go if, if, unless it was really, really of necessary. Course. Now, the daughter is also a fireman's daughter. Yes. So she knows how Papa reacts to different things also. Sure. So she's sitting in the sanctuary. The mother is in, in, in another room mm -hmm. looking at the computer, looking at the names and different data that were amassed. And um, so, but it's not, and it's not coming together. The father ran out the door, you right. know, okay. So I go into the sanctuary and she's like spaced out. 
And so he's looking at the Nair Tamid, which is the, the um, eternal light in the congregation. That's a light that's always burning. And she's just transfixed on that. It's an oil lamp. Yeah, yeah. Or something. It's a, it happens to be electric, but okay. it, they make it look like a flame. Right. And it symbolizes something the eternal, very the, significant. Yeah, the eternity, um, God's eternal light. Yes. Yeah. We're all, you know, it's a, a huge concept. We're all from that light. And so she's transfixed on that. And so I'm trying at this point, you know, to cobble together a rehearsal here. Right. I got pressured, you know, I got to get the names right. Right. And I got to get those little stickers in my, my book so I do it right. And don't, you know, for Fumper, you know, and be befuddled. Yes. You know, on, on the beam, on the, um, you know, uh, on the stage there. Yes. So, so that's what I'm thinking. And, and I'm, so I'm trying to coax her and I say, you know, it's okay, you know, um, I'm sure everything's okay. And she's, I'm not so sure everything's okay, Rabbi. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I couldn't uh, really get her to come. Um, and actually, she excused herself to use to go to the ladies' room. Mm -hmm. So I went and spoke with the mother, and she's looking at the computer, but her eyes aren't moving. I see. And um, so I'm going there to try to again couple things together with her. See, I'm I'm, I'm in denial. So okay, so who's going to lift the Torah? Who's going to tie the Torah? Who's going to read the prayer for the country? You know, right. And then she gets a text, and the text is from the husband. Hmm. And you know, I, I almost don't even want to say the words, but the, you know, the words. I, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. You know, there's blood all over the place. The, you know, yes. all, all the kids are dead. Hmm. He's it, texting this to his wife. Yeah. And then another thing came in that the principal and the psychologist were killed. So, so it's like denial says, okay, I'll take that. Right. Not all the kids dead. Yes. That's the way denial works, at least for me. Yes. You know, and when somebody bleeds, you know, there's sometimes a lot of blood, but it's only a small cut. Right. All these things are flashing into yes. my head, you know, to make it smaller. And as a rabbi, you know, you and as a preacher, you have a... Um, a, a power to uh, interpret things. You can interpret uncomfortable things away. Yes. All the time. Um, and we do. Yes, we to do. To comfort people. Uh, but now, this was an ultimate loss. You know, it's the storms are collecting. It's a loss of any kind of power. I don't have the power to wave my magical rabbi, you know, sermonic wand yes. and say that, you know, it's something other than it, that it is. And that is a, uh, it's a feeling, a powerless feeling. It's a, uh, a crushing feeling that uh, r people rarely ever experience. And people that, only people that understand it, uh, the only ones that understand it are the ones that experience something like it. Um, so that's going on and, and other emails are coming in. And then finally the phone rings and uh, it's the secretary from the parish, um, yeah, Father Weiss's parish, the Catholic parish. Um, Rabbi, can you get down to the firehouse right away? 
and said, what, what's happening? What's, you know, tell me a little more about what's happening. Rabbi, just go, go. You needed. I, I remember those words. Just go. You are needed. Yeah. And so I um, got in the car and, and drove across town. And I came to the bottom of the hill, Churchill Hill. And um, it's all blocked off. There's a police officer there. And I uh, go over and uh, explain that uh, I was asked to come down here. And so he uh, opens up the, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, the barrack, the, the blocking um, uh, things that were there and lets me get, just squeeze in with my car. And I, I drive a little, not too far, before I see like the whole, every single um, news, you know, with the um, antennas, and the white uh -huh. trucks. Satellite. Satellite. Trucks. Yeah. Yeah. And the hel helicopters flying overhead. And all I know is that I'm supposed to go to the firehouse. I don't know why I'm going to the firehouse. The shooting was in the school. Yeah. We're talking even... about an elementary school, Sandy Hook. Yeah. Elementary and school. I... This is coming back to folks' memory now. Yeah. And, and I've been to that school. I mean, I, I know some of my congregants. There's a lot of schools I haven't been to. I haven't been to that one. I've been living here 20 years. I haven't been to all the schools. Sure. Um, so I go there, and uh, I really can't park, so I just park the car in somebody's driveway and um, walk the rest of the way. And I see a, a thin stream of people going into the firehouse, the side door. So that's the only one where people are going in, so that's the one I went in. All right, so I, I walk in. There's a circle, um, there's like sort of like picnic benches and there's some people filling out forms there about a half dozen people on both sides of the picnic tables where the benches are connected to the table and then there's a larger um, sort of circle of uh, mostly women and there's a, um, a a woman with blonde hair about in her 30 something um, with the FBI jacket on and she's explaining and I pay attention to what there's what she's saying and she said if the child if you saw the child come out, um, so, um, you know, put a check. Um, if you know the child was in school, but you didn't, uh, uh, but you did not see um, the child walk out, right? Um, then, then put a, a zero um, along that child's name, which of course they're just, trying to see who died and who didn't die. Yes. Process of elimination. Yes, the very, very preliminary, you know, there's rules about announcing to the public. Yes. But this is like the first bit of data. And then there's, a, to the left of that, there's a long table, and there's a, a woman at the front of the table with, must be um, 36 people, must be like 18 people on each side of the table, and mostly women. These are all teachers now. Um, and um, at the head of the table is a congregant. And so she's a pretty important teacher. She's at the head of the table. She's talking to the teachers. And I see her, and I, and I go over to her, and she springs to One her. of your congregants. She's one of my congregants. I bar mitzvahed two of her boys. From the synagogue where you were where the I rabbi. Taught, right, I taught them. I, I trained them. I bar mitzvahed them. And I know them. 
Um, and so she springs to her feet. And this is a shy woman that, you know, blows air kisses mm. and embraces me, you know, with both arms um, and tightly. A voice, an inexplicable voice in my head says, Shaul, do not let go until she lets go. Mm. Let her direct this. Mm. And, um, and she held on to me very tightly for a long time. And, uh, you know, like a good long minute, which is a yes. long. Oh, yes. That's a very long time in a hug like that. And so she releases me and she says in a child's voice, which is interesting to me in retrospect. Um, it, Rabbi, it was terrible. It was terrible. And uh, and I just said, I know, I know, it's over. It, it's over. And she just, it's it was terrible, Rabbi. Just terrible. And each time I just, you know, acknowledge. Yes, yes. I know. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know too much at all. Yes. And um, then she um, hugs me again. And I say, you know, like, I just nervously, you know, like, you know, well, I'm, I'm always here for you. And she wipes her tears. And then her adult voice comes back. And she looks me in the eyes and says, thank you. Thank you so much. There was nothing else to say. You know, it wasn't yes. like, you know, like, um, we're going to follow up. No, no, no. Whatever no. was supposed to happen, you know, just happened right there. That's it. You know, it doesn't happen again. <laughs> you know, there's no, like, prolonged, ongoing nothing. It, this is something needed to happen, and it, it happened at that moment. And, and, and may I just probe for a minute what's happening inside of you? You're, you're giving up yourself to your congregant in that moment to one of your spiritual charges. But there's something going on with you. You're encountering this thing. Mm -hmm. Has it set in at this moment that what we're all talking about is a classroom full of murdered no. children? No. I'm holding on that the principle that was a terrible thing that happened, that that distraught student um, killed the principal and the um, psychologist, and that's okay. a terrible thing, and I know why you're upset about that. But don't be, you know, don't be telling me anything else, yes. please. That's my version of the story. That, that's the way I interpret the story. I'm the rabbi. Yes. I'll interpret it. Mm. Yeah. That's where I'm at. It's crazy. But it's human. Yeah. It's very human. How can, how can anyone process? And, and here's where I'd like to go, because one, one, of, one of the things I thought was most important about the conversation with you, I mean, by now we can at least all say in an almost academic and sterile way, a lot of children died right. in that <clears throat> terrible shooting at Sandy Hook elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. But you were there encountering it personally, and you're human too, 
Right. I know it'll be disappointing to many people to learn that their rabbis and their pastors and their priests are human. human. <laughs> yeah. But you're human too. Yeah. And you're dealing with this. Yes. Unspeakable, incomprehensible tragedy. So you're you're having to process it yourself. And and I at some point would like to talk about the trauma you experienced other first responders experienced it it goes without saying of course victims and the loved ones of victims experience that trauma in a way no one else Correct. will but everyone was traumatized everyone and, right. and i'm convinced our whole nation and even parts of the world were traumatized by this event and remain traumatized by it absolutely so but i don't want to hurry that along yeah no it's um, a weird thing. Um, I mean, then I meet another teacher from that first circle because at that time that FBI agent was finished presenting. She's also she was um, the teacher that sort of broke the rules and let an, um, a kid that was running down the hall into the room because once he shut the door, he's supposed to keep it shut, and they were running into the wrong direction, and she you know quickly opened it, quick quick get in, you know and nobody um, died in that classroom. And they would have died. They were running right towards the shooter. Um, so she was um, an incredible person. And I spoke to her and, um, and she hugged me in a similar way. Um, and while she was hugging me, she was weeping, saying that, you know, that, that, that he killed the children, he killed all the children. And even to that point, I was saying, no, no. I heard about the psychologist and the principal. <laughs> the woman that had to walk across the bodies. I'm still denying her. And um, she didn't correct me. She just said, no, Rabbi, you know, uh, uh, no, she didn't even repeat it after that. She said it once. She saw I wasn't taking it. And it just became nonverbal after that that's what happened and and then she just thanked me for you know just being there um, and then I um, was alone for a little bit and I picked up my phone and I um, googled it and ABC came up and there were the numbers six educators 20 children and at that point in time I felt like, like um, something welling up inside of me, um, and I felt that I would just, you know, weep right there. But that, that again, that voice inside says, "You have to be strong now for the people." Um, so I kind of, you know, um, pushed it down, and uh, and thought for a moment what I would do. And so that, that woman with the FBI was coming um, back again. By this time, I was talking to that teacher in a sort of follow-up kind of a way. And um, The teacher who saw the children. Yes, the second one that hugged me. And, uh, and as we're talking, the FBI lady's coming. And um, I say, I'm going with her now. And, um, and I didn't even have, like, words for her. I just said... I just literally just had my phone and I said, I just saw this, 
what what should I do? You know, she says, you know, can I can I help in some way? So oh, you want to help? She says, yeah, for follow me. And um, so we follow, we go by sort of a jig jag, past the kitchen on the left, and and then to this corridor, to the side room. And there, there's a familiar man speaking. And I'm like, where do I know that man from? And he's speaking to all these parents there. Where do I know him from? And then I remember, ah, right, right, right. <laughs> That's the governor. Oh. He was the mayor of Stanford. My wife is teaching in Stanford. We saw him once or twice down there. Right. And now he's the governor. And I placed it. And he's saying, I don't know, I don't know. I'll be back at three o'clock with more answers. I promise you I will return, you know, after I visit the hospitals and um, I will let you know. I will be here back here at three o'clock. And what state are these parents in? Are they Either shouting weeping, demands? Um, yes. Yes. The, well, the ones that are, that are um, present, there's about 50-50 and that's my experience is that there's going comatose yes. or getting ex in an excited state and, and um, crying a lot and, and, and um, you know, demanding a lot. And so, but there were people that were um, in various states. And uh, there was a uh, man that was um, rocking, you know, like his chest into his sit in a sitting position. And he was just you know, saying and like that, and um, and he had um, and his wife was comatose. I'll never forget that. Mm. And um, and the relatives were like holding his, you know, sides, not trying to restrain him, but just sort of, you know, like going with him as yes. he was, you know, um, sort of. I don't, well, I don't know the word for it. Um, sort of rocking his chest into his knees. Yes. Um, and 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 then she released me into the room, you know, and said, um, "Try to find someone that um, you know and help them." That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like <laughs> that's go do it. <laughs> you know, there's no nothing more to it than that. Yes. <clears throat> and um, so the first um, people that I you know came upon was were congregants. Um, the Posners and, um, wound up, you know, being, um, you know, there for them as their chaplain throughout the entire process. And I continue to um, be um, more with um, the husband uh, at this point in time um, and um, been with them and the various um, you know, changes and, and um, you know, to the extent that they want me to be. Did you know their children? Yeah, I named um, I named the twins in the in the synagogue. Yeah, and can you just do just a, a little? I, I hate to even ask you to do a sidebar on naming and 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 yeah. that ritual, that custom, that practice in Judaism, which is unfamiliar to a lot of folks. Oh yeah. So so because I've, that's an important connection with these children and with this family. Right. So so Noah Shmuel Posner. Okay. Um and the, it, that's his name Noah Noah uh, Shmuel Samuel. 
it's his um, Hebrew names, anglo anglicized. And then we call them, you know, in the name of their, their mother's Hebrew name, which escapes me at the moment, and the father's Hebrew name. And um, so the name is very, very important. It's done um, for a, um, a boy at the uh, Brit Milah, with the ritual circumcision on the eighth day, if at all possible on the eighth day, health permitting. Um, and, and then about a few months after the birth of a daughter, um, the, the girl, even in Orthodox, um, you know, where females don't have a big presence on the bima, at that particular point, the mother will come onto the bima, onto the stage, um, and present the child before the Torah and um, give it its, um, what that name, that child should be called um, in Israel, amongst the people of Israel. By the way, in many Christian traditions, we would call that area of the altar the bima. Really? The, oh. Or platform. Yeah. Low church platform, high church altar. Oh, okay. So oh, uh, this is the area we're talking about, a very, very important, meaningful, uh, sacred space yeah. in, in the sanctuary. Yeah. So now, um, you know, they, sometimes they might have had the, the circumcision somewhere else. Hmm. Um, and so the community wasn't there, so they, they might want to have it um, done for, amongst the congregation. And that mm -hmm. was the case with um, the Posner twins. So, so this, is, this is an intimate connection with folks. It, yes, very much so. Very much so. It, it'd be like in our tradition, maybe a, a pastor saying, well, I baptized those children or oh, yes. uh, something like that. I, I confirmed those children. Uh, there's, Absolutely. There's a, there's a spiritual, pastoral connection. It's a major life uh, cycle event, the, it, calling out the name of a, of a child. Uh, and, you know, and we talk about the characteristic of that child. In the Ashkenazic, we name after a departed, dearly, dearly departed relative. In the Sephardic tradition, we name after the living. Um, so they being of the Ashkenazic, so there you have, you know, this tremendous uh, opportunity to uh, uh, honor a loved one by having that name carried on to the next generation. Yes. And sometimes issues where you know, the husband also has someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. okay, so you get the next one, I get this one. Right. Um, some, sometimes the, they don't like the name at all, you know. So they give a double name, you know. Uh, and uh, that was exactly our case. You know, we have a Noah too, which was. Uh, I, I was going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. There's which a was Noah a, in this house. That was a sensitive point whenever you hear, when I heard the, in the name um, Noah called out for a sad reason, you know. So that yes. was. Uh, jarring to me as a father of a Noah as well, of course. And at this point, for the Posners, they don't know for certain what has happened to their child, but their child has not been seen, is not one of the check marks. Right. Well, uh, that, uh, that's, um, that would be an air, that would be information that I couldn't relate because that would, now at that point, it would be in the pastoral privacy. I see. What, like what they said. Yes. Like so of I course. can tell you what it was like for me. I can tell you who they were. Yes. Um, and, and that's a whole other thing. You got to be careful. Of course. If, you know, for all, if you're pastors out there, you know, you might be tempted to say, you know, oh, this, you, know, you did these wonderful things. And yes. For these people and these things happen. No, don't do it. Yeah. It's. Um, that's right. It's. It, it's 
personal and it's a breach mm-hmm. in the confidentiality um, that right. you have. So when I pub- but you don't know what has happened to these children. Correct, and I'm I'm in from the, your perspective. You I'm don't denying. Know. Well, well, now I know. Oh, you don't know. Okay. Uh, oh, um, we're pretty sure at this point. The room is feeling, you know, that this. I see. Right. You know, they're piecing it together. They're getting the. These are adults. These are professionals. Yes. They know that they can't. You know, they're going for the dental records. Right. Okay. So that, you know, this is a hard job for the governor. And the governor actually had broke with the rules, and he'll, he'll tell you the same thing, because he couldn't let the people um, wait any longer. Yes. So he, he he took you know the bull by the horns and took that executive, and made that executive decision and actually, technically didn't have exactly what he needed, in order to make that public announcement that he made, mm-hmm. as far as numbers is one thing, but identities. Right. It's a whole other ball of wax to say that this individual is dead, that you, you got to be careful. You were talking in the previous episode we just did about how there are times when rabbis have to balance uh, a real demand for something and the legal technicality of it right. in religious law. Correct. That's certainly true. We talk about bending the rules in many situations mm-hmm. and here's a governor being called upon to balance between legal obligation and restriction and the ne- real human needs that are in front of him yeah it's not an easy place for anyone to be no oh, it was the worst day of his life the worst day of president obama's life um they'll tell you the same thing was or, it the worst day of your life it was the worst day of my life it changed everything. It's weird, though, because even the negative things that happen have a way of moving you into the place that you never would have gone, that you realized in retrospect you needed to go. Not that it happened because that you needed to change, but this is a common experience that we tend to not change. I needed to be in chaplaincy 10 years before this happened. I needed to be writing books, you know, earlier, but we often don't make changes until we're forced to. Mm-hmm.